Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton, right here on 101.9 High FM. Gather around. It's 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton from Linksfield Shul, and you are listening to the Fabringen on Tuesday, every Tuesday from 1 to 2 p.m. It is great to be here with you just a few days before the incredible Chag incredible holiday of Shavuot. Now, the predictable topic to talk about Shavuot is the Torah and the focus on learning Torah and mitzvot, etc. But I'm going to get there a different way. I'm going to share a thought that I shared with some children this morning at, you know, the King David um, schools. They have this beautiful service on Rosh Chodesh. And I shared the following thought with them, and I really believe it to be the truest thought. Not because it's mine, of course not, but because it's truth. Today is Rosh Chodesh Sivan, the beginning of the month of Sivan, the Jewish, the, the third month in the calendar. Interesting, the, the year starts on Rosh Hashanah, but the months have a separate start. They start from the month of Nisan, the month of Pesach. It's a story for another time. And this month, the month of Sivan, the Torah tells us, and we're going to read it this Sunday morning, on the third month, first day of the month, the people, the Jewish people who had just left Egypt six weeks prior, arrived at Sinai. And the people rested there around the mountain. It's millions of people, they settled and, and pitched their tents around the mountain. The word Vayichan, as you might have heard this, I thought before, Vayichan, and he rested around the mountain, not and they rested. And Rashi comes and asks the famous question, why he rested? Why singular? If you're talking about millions of people, it's plural. And Rashi uses those words, Ke'ish echad belev echad, that on that day, on that one day, they all sat around the mountain as one person with one heart. Ke'ishachad, like one person. Belevachad, in one heart. Not like, not like one heart. That's only about the person. It's like one person. Belevachad and one heart, literally. What does it mean, one heart? They got along. And they got along because they were on the same journey. They realized that they're all going to be part of the same experience. They realized that they are all interconnected. It was six days later, the giving of the Torah on the 6th of Sivan, when we became not just a family, we became a nation. We became the Jewish people. And in preparation, we had this deep awareness as we settled down around Sinai, we came to the spot, and knowing that in this spot, the greatest revelation of all time, God would come down on this mountain and share the Ten Commandments. That moment, the awesomeness of the moment that was going to come was so inspiring for the people that they had this deep appreciation of the person next to them. In other words, it didn't only evoke a 
yearning and closeness for God, it evoked an understanding that this is not a journey of the individual. Yes, each individual in this world goes on their path, but it's part of a collective. They realized that now that they were becoming a nation, it was each individual for their own, each person on their own. But no, if you don't have, then I don't have. And if I don't have, then you don't have. And it was that deep understanding that hit them even before the Ten Commandments came down that set the foundation for the Torah to get. And ever since then, that day is celebrated, which is today, Rosh Chodesh Sivan, the first day of the month Sivan, as the day that we had this appreciation of the other, that we were able to look at each other and say, I need you, that alone I am nowhere, that this world is not only about me perfecting myself, but it's me helping you by me realizing that we are interdependent, not codependent, interdependent with one another. And that idea forms the basis of Judaism. We see it repeated numerous times, most famously in the story of Hillel, with the fellow who comes to Hillel and says, teach me the whole Torah while standing on one foot. This was a fellow who wanted to convert, but he wanted the bite-sized version. And he first comes to Hillel's colleague, Shammai. Shammai is not impressed by this fellow, and he literally sent him packing, sent him flying. But Hillel heard it. And although Hillel was as great a sage as Shammai, and he knew that there's so much wisdom to Torah, he's one of the biggest teachers of Torah in all of Jewish history. But when asked to condense everything into one statement, he used the famous words, which today is known as the golden rule. That which is hated by you, don't do unto others. And the rest is a commentary on that statement. Zil Gemara, go and learn. In other words, he tells the fellow, obviously you have to go learn. You know, the one statement's not enough, but if you want to know the launching pad of everything you're going to learn, you want to know not only where you start, but where you're going to end, it's going to be how you treat the fellow person. In other words, the foundation and the goal is how you treat one another. We know this, you know, we're still a few months away from Yom Kippur. But we know the famous idea that on Yom Kippur, God atones all our sins. But that's a misnomer, because he doesn't. He only atones the sins between us and him, where we failed our relationship with him. But Averot bin Adam how we mistreated our fellow, the anger we showed them, the, the revenge we took on them, the jealousy we had of them, the gossip we said of them, the broken heart we gave them without sensitivity, etc. That, God comes and says, I'm sorry. I, I can't do anything for you. You got to own up for your mistake and deal with it. Ain Yom Kippur mechaper Yom. Yom Kippur doesn't atone. Because here's the issue. Often when we talk about Judaism, often when we talk about Torah, the, the word conjures in the mind 
religious observance, Shabbos, kosher, Jewish marriage, mikvah, davening, services, rabbis, I'm just kidding, um, hopefully not, um, and other such items. But when was the last time when you heard the word Jewish religion, it conjured in your mind forgiveness, generosity, empathy, care, acts of goodness and kindness, and all the other beautiful characteristics of how we're supposed to treat one another, a good marriage, good parenting, respecting your parents, treating people with dignity, greeting everybody with a smile. Often that's simply seen as being a mensch. And it is, it is part of being a mensch, but it's the foundation of our faith. It's not a nice bonus. Often people say, you know, Rabbi, I'm not religious, but I'm a good person. And what I want to tell them is, wow, that is hard to be a good person. In other words, someone's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not religious, but I'm a good person. Like as if like, yeah, to walk in the park. To be a good person according to Judaism? Don't hold a grudge. Don't take revenge. Don't hate somebody in your heart. Don't gossip. Love them with all your heart. Love the foreigner. Give people loans. Give people the benefit of the doubt. That's hard stuff. That is not like, oh, yeah, yeah, flippantly, oh, I'm, I'm a good person. You're really a good person? That's amazing. That's intense. That's incredible. This is 101.9 Chai FM. And the song I'm going to share with you, it's one of my favorite songs from Eighth Day. It's just like you. It's a song that really gives perspective. And the, the, the foundation of the song is a story that's told about the Magid of Mezrich. It's actually an ancestor of mine, but that's not his claim to fame. <laughs> um, maybe the opposite. But it's claim to fame. He was the great student of the Baal Shem Tov and the teacher of some of the most greatest of Hasidic sages in history. The author of the Tanya, Rabbi Sushav Anipali, Rabbi Malach of and many, many others who were his students. He really built the movement. And the story is told about some fellow that comes to his house and sees the man live in absolute impoverishment, in poverty, the most basic of houses. There's one little piece of wood that serves as a table and a bed. And he looks at the Magid, whose name was Dovber, and he says, Rabbi Dovber, how can you live like this? Where's your furniture? Where's your chandelier? You're one of the greatest rabbis of our time. You should live like a mensch, no? And Rabdover turns to him and says, and where's your chandelier? Where's your fancy house? He says, what do you mean, Rabbi? It's not with me, I'm traveling. To which Rabbi Dover says, and I'm just like you. So am I. I'm only a traveler. The song, Just Like You, by Eighth Day on 101.9, Chai FM. Such a poor man in this day and age I said, where's your leather couches? Where's your golden chandelier? 
Where's your walk-in closet For all the stuff you could wear Well, all you got's that suitcase, my friend Ain't that true? I said, yeah, but you know that I'm just passing through And that's when he said I'm just like you I'm just passing through Just like you My heart wants to feel Something that's real And my mind hopes to find Treasures of another kind And if you had my eyes, you'd see a palace for you and me. Although we've been forever living in this town, people say he never really settled down. They say, where's your leather couches? Where's your golden chandelier? Where's your walk-in closet? For all the stuff you could wear The neighbors talk but they don't understand The things he's collecting you can't hold in your hand Like he said I'm just like you I'm just passing through Just like you My heart wants to feel Something that's real And my mind hopes to find Treasures of another kind And if you had my eyes you'd see A palace for you and me is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton. We're just like you. In other words, we're all passing through. We're all on this journey together. We're all trying to figure out this thing called life. And Torah is an incredible guide to figure out this journey of life. And as we were talking before the break, we know this. 
but we tend to forget it or not necessarily forget it. We tend not to be mindful of it. The truth is we don't forget most things. Most things we know. That's why often you go to a lecture and the person's talking well and you're nodding your head um, because it resonates. Because you always knew it. Maybe you didn't articulate it that way or maybe you haven't articulated it to yourself for a while, but you always knew it. In general, when someone's saying a life's truth that you never heard before and it's like absolutely like out of the blue and it's not intuitive. So either you haven't spent a lot of time thinking or it's false. In other words, most of life's truths are intuitive. And especially if you have a good upbringing and you, you were raised in you know, a good way, then most of these truths are, are there. You just need someone to articulate it for you to give you a vocabulary. But it resonates. You've always known it. You've always known it. And one of the things we all know, but we tend not to be mindful of, is that at the core of it all, is how we treat one another. We speak about this numerous times a year. I could talk, say that on this show, I, I speak about it numerously, not because I perfected it, far from it, but because I'm reminding myself, and I believe we all need a reminder constantly on this idea that the core of religious life is how we treat one another. Says the Talmud, Torah was given so that we can bring peace to this world. If my Torah growth is hurting my relationships, then something's wrong. If I claim I'm growing religiously, but suddenly I'm a worse spouse, worse parent, worse sibling, worse child, then I'm getting something wrong because it's supposed to make me a better person. Not a necessarily only better between me and God, but a better person by all standards. In other words, better in how I treat people, better behaviors, kinder, more generous, not more self-righteous, not more judgmental, not more entitled, not more angry, not more preachy, and all the other wonderful uh, Things that often come when people go on a growth spurt, but not realizing what the growth is supposed to manifest. As I learn more Torah, as I take on more mitzvot, I realize my responsibility to this world more. I want to talk about that for a few moments. Often, the, the journey of religion is taught as a need to get to the world to come. That you're supposed to grow in Torah as a way to grow to the world to come. And that's true, of course, a person does get the world to come. But what's not true is that's the goal. And I believe we do a huge disservice when we center Judaism as a way to achieve a world to come. And I'll, say, I'll tell you why, for two reasons. Number one, in our relationship with God the relationship suddenly becomes all about me. Instead of the relationship being, what can I do for God? The relationship is, how am I going to get another portion of heaven? How's that religion? You know, it's taking a reward and turning it as a goal. You don't do things for a reward. 
when you're doing the right thing, you don't do it for the reward. You don't treat your wife nice so that she should treat you nice. You treat her because it's, a, it's the right thing to do. And the reward usually is that she'll treat you better as well. But serving God so that you can get a world to come means that you're centering your benefit as the core of your religion. That can't be right. So that's first of all. Instead of putting God at the center and intention, I'm putting myself. And the same thing that manifests point two in the way I treat others. I'm treating you well so I could get a portion of the world to come. So it's again about me. How did we do that? In other words, often I'll hear speakers, even you know, rabbis, rabbitsons, other people who will give a speech, get up over there and tell people that the reason you do Torah mitzvahs is to get a portion of the world to come. And I, I sit there and I scratch my head and I say, do, do you not hear the fundamental flaw in that logic? Does it not bother you? How did we take a religion that's all about the other, about God, about the other person? In other words, not God as an other than me, but not God as in I'm not part of godliness, but, in, but it's not about me. The whole idea of religion is it's not about me. It's about God. It's about my fellow human being. That's the fundamental part. That's the, the core. You want to ask, what is God? Like if I, when I talk to you know, a person who's an agnostic, an atheist, they say, okay, Rabbi, what does God mean for you? Before I talk about words like essence and meaning and purpose, the first thing, God, it's not about me. That's the core of what it is. Because when there's no God, then who's the center of the universe? Me. When there is God, what's the center of the universe? God. So how can we take an idea which at the fundamental part is the idea it's not about you and suddenly reverse it into it's all about you. It's all about your portion in the world to come. It's all about your reward. It's all about what people are going to say about you. It's all about how much Canadian you're going to get. What? And again, I'm not denying the, the idea of reward and punishment, heaven forbid. That's the foundation of our faith. Of course there is reward. But saying that the reward is the goal is different than saying that there is a reward. Of course there's a reward. But how did the reward become the goal? It's a side benefit. I remember hearing the analogy, I think it was from Rabbi Manus Friedman, maybe somebody else. He said the analogy is somebody comes with a, a cure of cancer. And he then makes it to the front page of Time magazine. So you'd ask him if the guy had any ounce of decency and mention. You'd say, what was the greatest benefit of developing a cure for cancer? So what would they say? Oh, I made it on the front page of Time magazine? No, the fact that I'm saving millions of lives, the fact that I've been able to keep people alive, husbands, wives, children, parents, that's the meaning. What the fact that I made it on Time magazine? Yeah, it's a nice benefit. It's cute. But that was my goal. And the same way, when I turn something that is all about how I could serve my God better, how I could treat fellow human beings, and instead I say, why am I doing this? Because I want a portion of the world to come. So why do I treat my spouse better? Because I want a portion of the world to come. Why do I study Torah every day? Because I want a portion of the world to come. Why did I put on phone this morning? Because I, how? How did we do that? How did we take an idea that was all about the other and then turn it and it's all about me? 
It might be a more spiritual selfishness. The one person's thinking about how they can make more money. Fine. So that's physical selfishness, materialistic selfishness. But focusing on my portion in heaven is equally selfish, just a different kind of selfish. It's a spiritual selfishness. So what's the big genius? The other person, they only want material goods, but I'm more clever. I want more. Instead, no, every day when we get to practice, to do a mitzvah, a mitzvah between us and our creator and a mitzvah between us and our fellow, it's an opportunity to play our part in this world, to bring light into this world, to heal a world that is a little broken or a lot broken, to fix one crack in the fabric of our morality, to do something to add light. And that's why, back to the beginning of the conversation, when we said it's all about how we treat the other, often when religion becomes all about my portion of the world to come, then I lose my track. I forget, one second, what am I here for? Torah was given to make peace. Its paths are paths of pleasantness. And all its journeys, all its walks, are shalom. That's what it is. And we always have to recenter ourselves. And as we're having this intense religious experience or we're learning this powerful idea and we're going to a shiur and we're growing to always remember, it has to manifest in my day-to-day -day living. It has to manifest what kind of person I am in my home. Am I treating my spouse better after I learned something? Am I a better sibling to my, you know, my siblings? Am I a better child? Am I a better boss? Am I a better employee? Am I a better, am I a, am I a kinder coworker? Am I a kinder mensch? And constantly reevaluating that the foundation of Torah is how I am with other people, how I treat others. You know, religion never gets criticized for the things we do between us and Hashem, right? Nobody says, oh, wow, you put up filling, that's terrible. What an embarrassment to the religion. No. When we make a chil Hashem, when we desecrate God's name and we make a mockery of religion is when we walk around with the religious garb, religious definition of ourselves, and mistreat people, scam them, mistreat our spouse, mistreat our siblings, mistreat our children. That's when we, we, we destroy. That's when we do the Chil Hashem, and we're told that the greatest sin of all, the greatest sin, the one that there's no forgiveness is Chil Hashem, when we desecrate God's name. Why? Because if I, as a religious person, treat people badly, I am making people who will look at me as a representative, even though I'm not, I'm my own individual, but that's the way human beings look. As a representative of myself, of the religion, people will look at me and say, look what religion does, look what kind of people it produces, who needs it in my life? 
It's all about how we treat one another. So as we get closer to Shavuot, we just focused six weeks on the Omer. We're almost through the seventh week. And for most of this time, we weren't listening to music. We weren't getting married, right? Marriages restart tonight, I believe. Um, why? Because the students of Rabbi Akiva couldn't get along and they brought a plague on themselves. For seven weeks before Shavuot, what do we focus on? Getting along. Not just on today, but Rosh Chodesh Iyar, do we focus on getting along? Rosh Chodesh Sivan, sorry. No, for seven weeks, each day as we counted the Omer, we were focusing on another character trait, right? Tiferet Shebemalchot. The beauty between sovereignty is what we counted last night. In other words, do you lead with compassion? The night before, we spoke about disciplined leadership. And the night before, we spoke about generous and kind leadership. And the week before, we focused on connection, relationships. And the week before, we focused on hod, humility. And the week before, we, we focused on victory, endurance. And the week before, we focused on compassion. And the week before, we focused on discipline. And the week before, we focused on kindness. Why? Because for seven weeks before the days of Shavuot, what do we know? You could only show up to receive the Torah and really internalize it if you first worked on your character. This is 101.9 This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. So, after seven weeks of working on our character, and today, focusing on we show up to the giving of the Torah, right? We show up to the Ten Commandments, which I hope you come participate, whichever shul you go to. On Sunday morning, I'd imagine most shuls will be reading it approximately anywhere between 10 and 11 a.m., maybe some shuls earlier. And you're gonna hear, you're gonna hear the story, and you're gonna hear a repetition as the Torah reader reads out from the Torah, from the Book of Exodus, Book of Shemot, Parshat Yisro. You're going to hear the story of the Ten Commandments, right? So the first one, I am God, your God. Great. Next one, don't have another God. Don't survive us. Awesome. Third one, don't use God's name in vain. Don't desecrate his name. Fine. Number four, Shabbos. Okay, these are all religious ideas, right? Ideas of faith, Shabbat, observance. Then comes number five. Honor your father and mother. Oh, okay. Next, don't kill. Next, don't commit adultery. Next, don't steal or kidnap. Next, don't bear false witness. Talk honestly. Next, finally, don't covet. Don't be jealous. Don't desire something that your friend has. One, one second. So we finally came to the Torah and six of the ten are how we deal with one another. Because again, the same point. Sorry for belaboring it and harboring it on the entire show. But hopefully if a show can bring one idea across, then it's been successful. Otherwise, you just get fragmented and talk about 50 different ideas. It's the same core idea. You show up to talk about what do you learn? How to treat a person. Then, if you actually look at the Torah in the book of Shemot, Exodus, you see that immediately after the giving of the Torah, Moshe comes down off the mountain. And the next parsha, the next portion of the Torah is Mishpatim. Laws. Mishpatim are specifically laws that are common sense. 
and you open up and a majority of the parsha, not every mitzvah, but a majority of the parsha is about ethics and business, ethics, how to treat your servants, um, what happens if you injure somebody, damages, treating orphans and widows with kindness, treating the, the foreigner kindly. Again, you come down the mountain and what do you learn? How to treat one another. You open the Talmud, and yes, there's parts of the Talmud that focus exclusively on ideas between us and our Creator, whether it's brachot, blessings that we make, brachot, Shabbos, and having an Erev on Shabbos, the laws of Yantif. But then you come into the laws of Nizikin, you come into damages, you come into the laws of marriage. And suddenly you start seeing a big part of the law, and actually some of the, the, the biggest tractates of the Talmud, the ones that are studied, by yeshiva students. A big portion of them are about human-to-human -human interaction. Baba Metziya, Baba Kama, Baba Basra, etc. Again, why? Because it's not, the, it's not a different part of the religion. It is the religion. It is Yiddishkeit. It is Judaism. We're told, the Talmud tells us, and Maimonides focuses on that, that when God came down and gave the Ten Commandments and then taught the whole Torah to the Jews, to Moshe, to pass away to the Jewish people, he also taught the Noahide laws to Moshe and told Moshe to come off the mountain and teach it to the, the non-Jewish world. In the words of the Rambam, Siva Moshe Moshe was commanded by God and he commanded us to teach the world. The seven Noahide laws. Let's go on the Noahide laws. Okay. Believe in one God. Don't be blasphemous, okay? Don't, don't, don't desecrate God's name. Then, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't kill, don't eat a piece of a live animal, set up courts of justice. See the pattern? Again, how you treat the other person. And at first glance, why am I even saying this? It's so obvious, but it's not so obvious. Because every time I get up in shul, you know, my shul, or I get up at a shir and I say this, people look at me and like almost, oh, wow, we haven't heard this in a while. Why? Because the last time they went to shir and the time before that, when they were talking, okay, let's go learn, you know, Judaism, it was about the laws of Shabbos and the laws of kosher, which are, what do we, I don't need to say, are obviously very important. But we're not reminding the people as we're learning these laws, remember, remember, Students, remember friends. That which, that which you don't want done to you, don't do to the other. Love your fellow as yourself is a foundational principle of the Torah. We have to remind ourselves over and over and over. And yes, it's so tempting to focus on the other part of religion. And I mean it. Why? Because it can lead to self-righteousness, especially if you're not doing it for God, you're doing it for your own portion in the world to come, as we spoke about earlier. You focus on how well you daven and how, how, how strict you are about kosher and how strict you are about Shabbos and other such mitzvot. And in no way am I demeaning it. I, I, and I'm sorry if it, in any way it's implying that I'm not. I'm just trying to highlight the contrast. Those are all important. Again, who am I to need to say that? It's obvious. 
but there's a certain convenience in going there for some people, especially if they're, you know, they're not exactly the kindest people by nature, and they're more self-righteous in their, in their way of living. It's much easier to focus on that stuff. Instead of saying, okay, as you're getting more firm in the laws of Shabbos, have you gotten more firm in the laws of grudges? Seriously, the laws of grudges, do you know? It's one of the 613 mitzvahs, lo sitar, don't hold a grudge. Or lo sitar, don't hate your brother in your heart. It's different, it's a little different than a grudge, but basically the same principle. So when was the last time you got firmer in the laws of variables? Really? There are laws of faribles, which pretty much the law is don't ever get faribled. <laughs> if you have an issue, bring it up. And my mother says, if you have an issue with your friend, go to your friend, tell them you hurt me, why did you hurt me? But just holding a grudge, even if you're treating them nicely, but you're saying, I'm not going to be the way you treated me, I'm going to be better than that. That's what, that, that's what the grudges are going to Torah, and hating a person is where you're literally treating them badly. Are we firm in those laws? Are we firm in how we have empathy for people going through difficult times? Firm and not laughing at people, not embarrassing them. Firm and not judging people for the journey they're on, but rather being there for them as they walk on their journey. Let's be firm in those areas as well. As well. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. So just before we finish the show, this is Rabbi Levi Avtson of Leedsfield Shul. I want to finish off with a bracha, a blessing. There's a traditional Hasidic blessing that we say before Shavuot. It goes like this. Kabbalat HaTorah, may you receive the Torah. B'simcha, with joy. U'bipnimiyut, and in a real authentic, internalized way. As we hear the Ten Commandments, as we do our learning, many people will stay up the whole night on Matzah Shabbos on Saturday night, studying Torah, Tikkun, Lel. As we go and we experience this Chag, which obviously with Shabbos before, it's almost like a three-day Chag, 72 hours of upliftment, hopefully 72 hours without our phones, without distractions, but already plugged into the energy of the time and a lot of dairy food. As we're in that zone, let's try to internalize it. Let's try to understand its message. Not only the ideas we're learning, but what's it trying to teach us? Not what did you learn, what did the Torah teach you is the question. What, what, what lesson did you come out of it? Torah, the word Torah, literally translates as lesson, hora'ah, moreh, a mora'ah is a teacher. It's the same word. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a book of lessons, of life lessons of how to live the best life, the most godly life, the most menschlich life, to play the part that God put us in this world to part, to play for his sake, so that we can truly fulfill our purpose in this world, not for our sake, for his. Wishing you a Chag Shavuot Sameach, a beautiful Chag, a good Yom a good Shabbos for this Friday night. And once again, Kabbalah Satur Simchat Nemius. We finish off with this beautiful song by Benny Friedman. It's called Thank You, Rebbe. A thank you to all the teachers, the people who teach us throughout the year, to the people who teach us ideas or just teach us by example. 
Thank you. Have a wonderful and powerful day.